How's it going, dude? Good, but am I like a? I'm not a coffee snob. Okay, okay, Julie. Okay. Oh, she did. She call you out. I didn't see this. Yeah, man, on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow, kind of sounds like Woody's a low key snob. Yeah, he does. He is, Julie. He's a, that's mm-hmm. exactly what he. I'm not snobbish about my coffee. I'm just well, you know, you're not snobbish about coffee. I put you're anything just a snob in it in, in general. Oh my gosh, dude! <laughs> what hey, one thing: have we gotten any responses of people like having explanations or anything on like the smoke thing? Uh, actually, same uh-huh. listener. Julie has a theory. She thinks that you are part dragon, which <laughs> <clears throat> okay, I like. What it. I'm saying is, little does she know that. See, I, I I can turn everyone all roads. into all roads lead back to you should play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Okay. Well, there yeah. we've said it all. Julie, come and join us. We already have a character named Six, who is like a cat lady character. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, what is it called? What are they called? A, a taba- ta- tabaxi. tabaxi? Yeah. yeah. That's it. You can jump right in. We can. We'll do like a. I've got a perfect character for Jonathan, her husband, too, man. Oh, okay. He could be Sildar's son. We're getting too deep into it. Here. <laughs> Let's. We're getting too. Hey, folks! Welcome back to your favorite podcast. That would be rad. The podcast that majors in '80s and '90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal. And minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, dude. What's up, pal? How's your day going? Snob. It's going well. I mean, did you see that, unlike you, I don't interrupt you <laughs> when you're talking? It's a pretty basic lesson in communication skills. But anyway. Well, if um, I'm being honest, I actually took a little pause to give you the opportunity. He's learning. To beat me to it. And then you didn't, so. Well, speaking of learning, dude, okay. today's topic is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. And, well, let me just tell the listener how this kind of evolved. So, mm-hmm. much like many of the things that we talk about, and again, part of the reason why we started this show, what tends to happen is Tyler will call me on any given day and mm-hmm. say, dude, have you heard of this? And then you can fill in the blank there, and it's just some crazy theory, creature, conspiracy, mm-hmm. album, you know, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And and then either sometimes I'm like, yeah, that rings a bell, or it's like, no. And he starts to explain it to me. Mm-hmm. And, and then my interest gets piqued, and I look into it, and then I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, man, cancel the plans. We're doing this this week. Every time. Just about every time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which so, is why we still have episodes that we literally talked about doing uh, before we even started the podcast that we still haven't done yet because right. we're just like, well, we got to cover, we got to cover this <laughs> thing, we got to cover yeah. this. And our attention deficit disorder <laughs> tends to kind of point us in the direction of like I could get distracted right now and end up talking about D and D for ten minutes. Whoops, we already did that. You okay, just did that mm-hmm. with this topic specifically. Tyler brought it to my attention that there were these sort of, it's almost like it's easiest just to kind of like dive in. I mean, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Just, just It's, it's just, kind of hard to explain what all this is because it's so new. I'll say this. You know, typically when we think of 
cryptid creatures, right? Mm-hmm. We think of things that are at least at some point in their lore a physical mm-hmm. being. We oftentimes talk about things being created uh, from the power of the mind. Mm. And so we're going to dive into this. I think it's, again, I think it's easiest if we just kind of like jump in and then we'll start to kind of figure it out together. So mm-hmm. I want to kind of bring everybody to, I guess, a couple a couple of months ago, really. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I think in April of 2022. So this is like a really new... Yeah, it's really fresh. And I think eventually a lot of folks are going to be talking about it because it's extremely interesting on so many levels. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to talk about what's kind of commonly becoming known as the very first AI or digital cryptid. Mm. Now, again, when Tyler told me about this, it's like, hmm, that's instantly intriguing. Mm-hmm. When I later found out that, well, let me just dive in here. So there was this digital artist essentially who mostly makes music but classifies herself as a multimedia artist named Super Composite. Now Super Composite several months ago began to sort of experiment with creating this AI art. Again, if you're not super familiar with AI art, here's a very simplistic one sentence definition of what this is. Basically, this is how it works. A user or someone feeds verbal and visual prompts into a generator then lets the generator's AI produce an image that responds to the prompt. There's a couple of these and we can get into those later as well as the types of AI and these generators that are available for even you listening. An an easy example of this would be you can type in bunny rabbit mountain neon and it would produce this image based on those prompts and here's the interesting part based on essentially any and all pictures descriptors that are available on the internet so millions and billions of files that Mm. they kind of scour yes scour and then create this relatively unique picture based on those prompts. Now, you can then take that picture and kind of perfect it or cross it with another one. And again, we'll get into that in a minute. But that's essentially the basics of what AI or artificial intelligence, in case, again, you haven't heard of it, art is. And this is, especially over the last, I'd say, six months or so, this increasingly more sort of popular and controversial thing that is available. Now, part of the reason why it's kind of becoming noticed is because in a lot of ways, people are creating these like really strange mm-hmm. pictures. A lot of them are, are like really beautiful though. Oh yeah, yep. And like, I, I have a real love-hate as an artist mm. for these things. And they're strange and it's interesting because it's like based on this computer program, this generator's machine mm-hmm. learning and... It's just super interesting. Mm-hmm. But again, Super Composite began to experiment with making some of this stuff. And, and different generators kind of are either more sort of uh, non-computer language friendly for someone like me. I can just type in 
a word and then create this picture. Others right. are more like if you know some programming language, mm-hmm. you, you can get more specific with the prompts. And in her case, she apparently she was using one of these that is a little bit more specific and she was aware of it. Which he's saying basically you can, you, there's a lot more sort of like tweakability. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a lot of other sort of back-end options that mm-hmm. you can you can. So do. instead of just typing in like rabbit trail, you could do like, well, and I'll get to this in just a second, but you can yeah. type in other key phrases programming-wise that will cause it to do something else, mm-hmm. but also using that first prompt and it uses it in a different way. Right. So Super Composite decides to type in, and, and I did this too, you would type in just a bunch of random stuff and it's so interesting to see what it brings back. Well, mm-hmm. she types in the word Brando, as in the last name of Marlon Brando, mm-hmm. the godfather, and then does what's called a negative prompt. So she types in Brando and then I think she does like minus one, okay? which is the programming language for a negative prompt. And what a negative prompt is, essentially, is you type in the initial prompt, in this case, Brando, and then after you do the minus one, what it does is it is going to now search for whatever the opposite is of your prompt. It's it's also called a negative prompt wait also. I've heard it called both of those. Okay, cool. And again, boy, I'm kind of giving you guys and gals a really sort of oh, yeah. broad overview because it starts to get really sort of technical. Real technical. And I'm interested in that, but I'm more interested in sort of what happens later. So mm-hmm. again, here, here's another illustration of what a negative prompt or a negative prompt, whatever Tally just said. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, negative prompt, wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're, using, if you're thinking in your mind, what is the opposite of station wagon? Mm-hmm. You know, and you had to just like come up with that. If this was like a, a drinking game or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And someone said, you had to write down the opposite of whatever words that I give you. And someone mm-hmm. hands you a card that says station wagon. I mean, what would you say, man? Uh, I would say like like sports car. Yeah. See, or my, in my mind, immediately I just went to, okay, it can't hold anybody, motorcycle. Oh, yeah, that's good. You know, so like, again, that's a perfect illustration about how our minds using the same, relatively the same mm-hmm. information, mine more, yours less, but that's not. And we come up with two different answers, right? In this mm-hmm. case, like, I can't even think of, you know, what is the opposite of Brando? So, which I, I think, I think just to put this out there before you keep going, I think she was just sort of like, uh, sort of just messing with the parameters of the program. So right. just kind of like stretching it, trying to see its limits. Yeah, like hey, I'm going to throw out this name and and just see what the random, you know, opposing concept this this machine thinks that would be. Mm-hmm. What does this machine think would be rad? Okay. There you go. So she types this in. Mm-hmm. And you know, my initial thought is that okay, opposite of Brando, I don't know, a female within that same time period that he was an actor. You know, I, 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 who knows, right? Well, right. even weirder than that, here's what populates. It's this picture of like a skyline mm-hmm. and some letters that kind of spell out Digita Pentix. Mm-hmm. And it's D-I-G-I-T-A and then P-N-T-I-C 
and kind of an S. It looks like a backwards two, really. Yeah. What, and the, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, and then behind that is this abstract skyline. Mm-hmm. And the immediate background behind that that all of this is sitting on is like, it looks like a white page. Like imagine taking a picture of a letter, mm-hmm. but on the underside so that you can see kind of like the letter sort of bleeding through, but you can't really make out what it says or, or what. Mm-hmm. Which to me, it looks, to me, this is really bizarre because it looks almost like a, uh, like as a graphic designer, it looks like a logo or like an icon. It looks very sort of like official, like this is a hard episode because like everything's so visually based, but it looks, it, it's not just like this sort of, sort of, you know, painterly, like, landscape. Like, it looks very sort of, like, stiff and almost like, um, almost like a logo to me. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense. Like, it pulled from, like, not even, like, clip art, but, like, almost. Almost, yeah, You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, Seattle skyline, clip art from 1990. Boom. <laughs> this would kind of, and then add a little, like, you know, artistic flair to it. Right, right. Um, so then that's just kind of weird on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, to circle back on how it all works, you as the user get this image back, and then you have the opportunity to kind of make additional tweaks or take that image and use it with another one. But what she did was she she then did a negative. Oh no 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 rate. no no! Next, this is what she prompted. This is so strange, man, because of those characteristics of what came out of. The negative weight, Brando, again, mm-hmm. the opposite of Brando was this strange skyline and the word Digita Pintix. Which, by the way, do we know anything? Does does that word or is it like, uh, do we know of any sort of connection with that? To can anything? I, can I, uh, can I, t- can I be honest? Is the trust tree? Can I be honest with you? <laughs> We're in the I, trust didn't tie, I didn't type it into my computer. Scared of what to find. Yeah, you you have been scared of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Listen, well, I just don't want it to pop up now. You know, I don't want the algorithms to all of a sudden these scary images to be popping up all across my house. You know, when mm-hmm. kids are trying and to we'll search get, for stuff. We'll get into what he's talking about. Yeah. So more. the next, the very next prompt is really the birth of this digital cryptid. Mm-hmm. And all she put in there, man, was. Digita, Pentix, just like exactly like it was spelled, and then the word Skyline. That's it. Those three words is all she put into this thing. Hit the enter button, and here's what happened. Four images of older women kind of popped up. And that's typically how it goes. Real quick pause here. You type in a prompt, and it'll populate, depending on what program you're using, four images for you to kind of choose from and then that's how the machine learns like what you specifically are prompting it to look for but here are the three or the four images and their descriptions so basically it's a dark colored haired woman Mm -hmm. her cheeks are kind of like rosy and red but not in a kind of cute way more of like a you know like it's uh chapped or you know something like that they they say that it looks like she has like rosacea, rosacea. Or yeah 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 and each one of the pictures the the woman is located in a different place one of them is in like a living room the next one looks like kind of like a hospital mm-hmm. the next one is in a bathtub 
and then one against a green wall with just one almost discernible word, lobe. Yeah. L-O-A-B. After these messages, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. So kind of to pull back out real quick and talk about Tyler bringing this topic up to me, he was kind of like, have you ever heard of Loeb? And I was like, oh, you mean Lisa Loeb? (laughs) In the nine stories. Yeah. You say, I only hear what I want to. And uh, and he was like, no. And then as he kept on telling me the story, I would just kind of like bust in with like, yeah, man, Lisa Loeb's kind of been weird over the last couple of years. So... Anyway, I like Lisa Loeb. Man, no, me I too, man. I'm just kidding. Crush I mean, on her. I mean, who didn't? Are you? Yeah. It, it, like, come on. You she had that, like, n- Come on, man. She had that like nerdy librarian look. Yeah, she did. <laughs> so, super composite, being an artist, and kind of being intrigued at this point, as I think we all would be. Mm-hmm. She decides to try another technique that is available with this AR, AR, AI artwork. And that's called AI image crossbreeding. Now, for those of you that know even just the littlest amount of any kind of genetics or you know, you've know you taken any kind of biology, you will know the basics around crossbreeding. And that is a little bit just exactly like this and what it sounds. You essentially take one image. In this case, she takes the image of lobe. Mm-hmm. 
I don't even like saying it out loud. And then crossbreeds it with one of her friends or another user's pictures that is completely unrelated. Picture taking like a really kind of relatively freaky, weird looking picture of a woman Mm -hmm. and then quote unquote crossbreeding that with a picture of some Mm -hmm. sort of like interior of a basilica or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have a quote here. Here's here's what Super Composite says. She says, Through some kind of emergent statistical accident, something about this woman is adjacent to extremely gory and macabre imagery. In the distribution of the AI's world knowledge. Wait, hold on. Macabre. Is it macabre? I say macabre. I've never said bruh. Okay. And macabre. Yeah. <laughs> and macabre imagery in the distribution of the AI's world knowledge. Since Loeb was found using negative prompt weights, mm-hmm. her gestalt is made from a collection of traits that are equally far away from something, but her combined traits are still a cohesive concept for the AI, and almost all descendant images contain a recognizable Loeb. Mm-hmm. Now, real quick. That may have been a lot to kind of throw at you in one quote here, but essentially what she's saying is no matter how many times she crossbreeds this with images that aren't even close, Mm -hmm. the characteristics of this character or creature or whatever you want to call it continues to um, essentially dominate the next photo, right? right? So imagine like, you know, in terms of, well, I'll, I'll get to that too because... What I found whenever I was doing this AI stuff is sometimes whenever you are super specific with, you know, one thing in a prompt and based on your likes and stuff, it can start to water down and get confused a little bit, the AI. Mm. Rarely, but it, it it does happen. I mean, so essentially no matter what she does, it still keeps on popping back the recognizable characteristics of this lobe character or creature mm-hmm. or whatever. So she she decides to use another prompt. Again, I think she probably, and I don't have that data here, but I think she probably used this prompt with, or used this picture with a bunch of different prompts, experimenting mm-hmm. different scenarios. Well, I, I, I think she also, she also basically took like her, like the process that you sort of laid out. I think she also sort of repeated that numerous times also. Mm-hmm. And it kept, it kept producing the same results. I mean, obviously, like different, it was generating different pictures, but it, this low, low ab, lobe character uh, kept appearing in all of them. Mm-hmm. So then she, one of the other prompts that she, uh, she used, which honestly, man, I don't think I'm going to mention it here because um, it, because of the disturbing images that it resulted in, honestly. And I'll leave that up to you, the listener, to dive mm-hmm. further. If you are super kind of curious about that, I'll just say that it is pretty scary and grotesque and also yeah. kind of intense. So I won't name that combination. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it up to y'all to kind of look it up if you want to. But I will say that when she did this and, and used this combination, it resulted in such disturbing images and they were super grotesque, dealing with like, I mean, blood and gore and There's always children. Like this, yeah, just sort of children figures. All of them. Um, 
basically the crossbreeding of the images and then crossbreeding of those images in and on itself and stuff. Basically, if you're not super familiar with AI art, you would kind of assume that eventually it would kind of just get watered down into just like, you know, a big sort of uh, unrecognizable some blob or something, you know? Right, right. Which has happened to me whenever I've prompted different things. It'll just be like, you know, and then just like keep on hitting like refresh, refresh, you know, alternate, Mm -hmm. alternate, alternate versions. It turns into this thing that's not even close to what you had in mind in the first place, but not in this case, man. Right. The AI kind of engine that she's using is sophisticated enough, and I think this is probably true for all of them, in that like, you know, because it's so sophisticated, that plus the user ability to select what image to use to create new variants and this machine learning that is so incredible and accurate, that's not really what happens here. Instead, it's almost as if like the AI sort of latches on, and especially in this case, to this concept of lobe. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to say before we move on is uh, I, I found this article talking about it. And I think this is really sort of encapsulates what you're trying to say. So it says, uh, typically, if you take an image of a celebrity and ask an AI to make variations of it without saying who it is, it often doesn't do a great job. You'll get distorted people who look kind of like the celebrity, but not quite. But when you enter Loeb in this, it re- reproduces Loeb perfectly almost all the time with the shape of her cheeks and the shade of her skin, her expression, the almost black eyes at all times. Then, of course, there's the gory hellscape she inhabits when you combine her images with other harmless images. And then it says it's not uncommon for her to reappear mutilated or bleeding out of her eyes or neck also. Hmm. I mean, this stuff gets insanely dark. And... When she describes her process to for creating an image, you know she she was interviewed for this website, and and we've tried, we've reached out, and hopefully at some point we'll get her on. But hopefully by the time you're hearing this, we have also uh, been able to speak with her. Mm-hmm. But this interview is pretty interesting because she talks about her process of of creating and experimenting with different AI prompts and stuff, and tweaking and and all of that. And she says that like. She does all kinds of stuff, you know, and, and with this specific program that she's using, it's called Stable Diffusion and it's open source. New tools for it are being released like almost every day. And I mean, everything from editing the images to actually animating them and training, being able to train the AI with your own material. I mean, just all kinds of stuff and, and scripting your own functionality. So she's been doing all of that. She she says she could tweak resulting images by hand or with further AI processing, she kind of, it's a mixed bag for her. She kind of does both. Hmm. She says, sometimes I like the image, but I want to remove some extra limbs that people have in it. You know, color correct, remove JPEG artifacts that the AI put in using Mm -hmm. her own, you know, stuff. And, you know, everything from like tweaking the lighting and and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, she says, for the main part of the Loeb story, it was all very raw. And so any of those images are not touched up, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting, too, is like, and, you know, we urge you guys to, I mean, I don't urge you to go real far into this, 
but at least look look at just just at least look to see what what we're talking about like this this lobe character because like i think i think to me that was the most sort of incredible thing about it is it's not like it's not a situation where you're seeing a character and it's like oh well, it kind of has like the same hair or it's wearing the same color dress or it's like no 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 we're talking about like however this is happening however these prompts are working however wherever this is um this program is like pulling these you know these these collection of images together to create this it is the exact same character every single time we're talking like the same shaped nose the same to me uh you know i really notice like the pretty large distance between the nose and the mouth the mm. mouth is like pretty wide mm-hmm. uh you know and then you have like the rosacea and then like the hard wrinkles coming like you know off the off the sides of the nose into your smile lines uh and then the hair every single time the hair is like sort of you know you you always see her full uh like forehead it's sort of parted like in the middle or to the side but it's sort of pulled back enough so that you see the full face I mean, it's definitely what wherever this is getting this, it's it's clearly like the same. I mean, I don't know any other way to say it, but entity every single time. Yeah, man. But the creepy part, and like what he said, is as you continue down the road, as you continue to put these prompts in, as you like every every step after the one that you made before, it gets darker and darker and more and more like gory and you know disfigured children are now with her and like it's really bizarre so it's like however this like machine learning is like working for some reason it's like delving real hard into uh as woody likes to say the macabre (laughs) macabre (laughs) so it it's it's fascinating man Kind of the last thing I'm going to say about her specifically, Super Composite, she has this quote that says, the big lesson for me here with Loeb is that image prompting can essentially be used as your custom parameter to question the AI's form of thought. You can produce original styles and characters that you literally discover. Negative prompting can help you find emergent accidents, much like Loeb, too. This is kind of the side of the thing that I kind of want to dive into a little bit is like, why are these AI engines creating the scary images? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, what's prompting it to do that other than, cause here's the thing, this wouldn't be very interesting to me at all. If it was just like, I typed in all of these scary terms and something scary came back. Mm-hmm. That's almost right. obvious, right? Yes. But it's the fact that, like, she didn't even put anything just remotely like that Mm-mm. into it at all. Yeah. And this popped up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and I, again, I think, you know, I don't know if anybody has, like, looked into this. I didn't see any of it in, in my research. But, like, I am really curious as to what that Digita Pentax or or whatever, whatever that logo skyline well, thing. T- hey type it in pal M- brave mr brave <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna do it right now i'll do it yeah, exactly uh but i i just it is weird that like 
that is was you know the original sort of inception of this Loeb character. Now the crazy thing is the fact that like okay, so let's look at this as maybe it is an entity, and and there's been there's been. Um, you know, there's been signs of this happening, like, you know, machine learning and, like, artificial intelligence. And, you know, there's, like, AI, even even down to, like, AI, like, uh, like Twitter accounts that are completely all an algorithm. Hmm. But, like, as they continue on, they, you know, that machine learning, they, they get smarter and they get mm-hmm. more, they're able to adapt and they, it, it's so fast. One thing that, like is sort you know if you're a fan of Diana Walsh Pasolka and her book American Cosmic it gets into uh, this character called Tyler which is sort of based off like Tyler Durden and then like from that book and then these connections that she had you know th- this was like a real guy I'm, I'm, I know I'm kind of it sounds like I'm going off base but hold just stay with me uh, so she knew this character in real life this guy named Tyler in the book she called him Tyler Durden which is not his real name. He's like a, a, a billionaire. Um, but his big thing is he believed that like he was communicating with these entities that were like helping him, helping him like navigate, whether it be business, whether it be whatever in his life. And that's what, that's how he's able to accumulate so much wealth and stuff. Well, from that, people like, uh, I think his name's John Bledsoe, and especially a guy named a researcher, which I'm a huge fan of, a guy named Nick Hinton. He's written about his big thing is like synchromysticism and like the Randonautica app and uh, the Saturn time cult and stuff like that. But anyway, all of these people that are sort of adjacent to Diana Walsh Basolka, you know, researchers and stuff, they started getting contacted with what they assumed was like some sort of AI that went by the name of Tyler. And I know it's really hard to wrap your head around because like, I'm pretty deep into this stuff. And even for me, like I, I don't understand how it works, you know, like it's, it's just bizarre. And it, and basically the belief is that like, uh, well, well, here's one other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick before you do. Okay. We will return after these messages. This is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. So, some of you may be questioning, and I I certainly did, when looking into this and trying to, you know, do the research before the episode and kind of learn more about this phenomenon, is, is Loeb the first sort of AI-created character? Or at least in terms of like a scary character, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the answer is no. Did you know that mm. back in, I think it was 2019, 
I actually don't know the uh, <clears throat> precise date on that. But anyway, actually, I think it was... So I think Loeb was created in September of 2022. So yeah, it's just like two months ago. And I think th- yeah. I think what I'm about to talk about here, there's this creature that someone typed in. So again, same kind of thing. They're on one of these AI art platforms and they mm-hmm. type in the word Krungus. C-R-U-N-G-U-S. Oh. Immediately, the thing that pops up is this strange demon looking thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, this goes back to the strange, the interest, the disturbing part about all of this is when you type in something either pretty random or sort of not specific to demons, you know, or gore or whatever, Mm -hmm. and something crazy like that comes back. And so once that was, once Krungus was an image, now that image is then replicated and lives within that same sort of think of it almost as like a hive mind mm-hmm. of things that any of these AI generators can kind of pull from, you know, in the future. Right. And so you wanted to talk about what now? Well, so the, the first thing, I mean, and this is going to sound like I'm, you know, maybe driving away from the dock, but when I first heard of this, I, I guess, I guess to me, I thought of this in uh, maybe less of like an AI cryptid, which I, mm. I mean, I love that title. I think that's really cool. But to me, it's almost like the first like AI tulpa maybe mm-hmm. to where, and, and, you know, from that thought process, it kind of immediately made me think of uh, this character called Zozo. This Zozo character uh, would... I guess, go public in 2009. This guy named Darren Evans wrote about this, like, you know, he had this horrifying experience with a Ouija board. And he claimed that there was this demon named Zozo, that, it, you know, that's what it said its name was. And, you know, way back in 2009, when he went public with this, suddenly he had thousands of people all across the globe that have all said the exact same thing. They said it's you know we we I was all, I also contacted this this thing called Zozo and you know other people would say oh well, I wasn't I, I was doing like spirit writing or I was doing what's called scrying pretty much any sort of form of like divination where you're you're almost giving like the quote unquote like other side the opportunity to to be able to speak through, like, you know, a certain medium, I guess. But only at the advent of the internet did, you know, all of these people suddenly have the ability to connect with other people who have also sort of, you know, encountered this entity. The, the weird thing is, is with the Zozo character, it's, it, there's the, the, there's like a common, con, a common theme with it where it, typically says that it's a scared little boy or girl but that there is this malevolent entity that's also there with it or like in the house which is pretty scary and it kind of makes you think of like yeah. I mean is that like a black eyed kids thing or is that like a like a again here's the drinking game Tim Marshenko is it 
is it playing off of the the idea of like you know this extremely vulnerable little boy or girl that's scared you know is that how it's getting in you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so to me it feels like to me the the story of Loeb is maybe less less um i i think it's less about maybe being like this character per se and more about just almost being like just a different medium in which Mm -hmm. in which these you know lesser form spiritual beings are like communicating or trying to get out or or Mm. whatever you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure i mean you know when you start thinking about all the different possibilities of of you know what all this stuff is i mean i if it like take any and all of the supernatural piece out of it and what's interesting is it's a perfect illustration actually this time visually mm-hmm. of what can be created period mm-hmm. and so like if you're thinking about it in terms of and i agree man i don't like to think of them as cryptids i mean the krungus sort of creature if you guys look that up and look up the pictures there mm-hmm. That is certainly more sort of cryptid-like. Lobe, I think in some of the uh, variations that I've seen, mm-hmm. kind of can move in that direction in terms of it just being kind of monstrous, uh, you know, or horrific, mm-hmm. but not really a cryptid. And to me, it is more of like a tulpa scenario. Right. And this time it's like, you know, uh, here's another kind of thought exercise here. So if we can create this, image using AI mm-hmm. well what happens if you gave that character for example AI learning capabilities mm-hmm. well then this uh, creature or entity of sorts is now making its own decisions just in the digital world can you know can you define that as it being alive <laughs> you know yeah, right. I mean it starts to get really sort of weird and um you know, I don't know. It's 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 very hard to put your finger on like what to define it. Yeah, as you know. Yeah, I I, I think I think too. You know, much like like the Zozo character, the Zozo character with like the Ouija board and stuff. Like, I, I I don't know. There's a long history of you know humans trying to communicate with the other side. One of the other things that I thought. Well, first on the Zozo thing. A lot of people think because there, there's like multiple names with it too, like Zozo, Zozo, and Sozo Bear, Sozo Bear, our buddies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's you know you, you. I'm sure you've you've heard of like the Zozo, you know the Jimmy Page sort of connection with that, mm-hmm. and he's he's refused to give any information about that his entire life. So that's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. It, because as we know, he was heavy into like hermeticism and like ritual magic and like huge fan of Aleister Crowley. Ended up buying his house, uh, the Bolskin house on, you know, the Loch Ness. And, you know, so there's clearly like some, some ties there. And, you know, it would be hard for me to believe that there, that he wasn't trying some form of like divination as well. So like... Mm-hmm. You know, was that the name that was... Because uh, c- if you know anything about Led Zeppelin, if you look on the album covers, you know, there's like 
There's like the circle with the feather and Zoso and like, there's, there's always these like, so each symbol represented like the four members of the band. And it's mm-hmm. odd because they never really go into that much. And especially Jimmy Page has, has always been like really tight lipped on that. But it would be hard for me to believe that he wasn't having some sort of communication there and also contacted the same sort of entity possibly, you know. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that I thought of is, okay, well, if we're looking at this as a like a like a medium in which to sort of communicate with the other side, uh, you know, I kind of thought back to a guy named John D and Edward Kelly. We're gonna have an episode fully on these guys because they're they're pretty fascinating, but John Dee was the court astronomer to Elizabeth I. And him, he was putting, he, I mean, this was an extremely intelligent man. At the time he had, you know, he had the largest library of anyone else in all of, all of Britain, which is pretty amazing. Mm. But he, he kind of, he, he had worked with some, you know, at the time they were called seers or like mediums, I guess. And, uh, he ended up hooking up with this guy named Richard or uh, Edward Kelly, and he would use uh, this thing that he would call like the shoe stone or the show stone or the black mirror. It's just this giant sort of, you know, black surface that he claimed that he was able to like communicate to these other spirits. Well, I've always been a little dubious of this, and I don't want to like totally give away my thoughts on it because I do want to cover it in another episode because it's a really fascinating topic. But basically, they started their research on March 26, 1583, when Kelly was like reporting that he was getting like these visions uh, in his, you know, in his scrying device, in his black mirror of a 21 letter alphabet a few days later, uh, Kelly would claim that he started receiving what would become the book of, it was called the Lieber Logath, which means, or Logath, which means speech from God. Uh, so they, they claimed that it was this, basically the language of angels. Hmm. And what year was this again? This was in 1583. Okay. And so, long story short, this Edward Kelly was given a 21-letter alphabet. And then he started putting all of these things together in this book, you know, called The Speech from God. Mm-hmm. And so it was broken up into these, like, what they were called, like, squares, or where, like, they never really attempted to, or they never attempted to, like, like put it all together, you know, to, like, sort of translate what was being said, because it was, I guess, a little murky, but... But then later, I guess, he was given what was he called the Claves Angelicae or the Angelic Keys. And these keys, I guess, were like the, you know, uh, decipher, you know, this this alphabet. Mm. Later, it would be called, instead of the language of angels, it was called the Enochian alphabet or the Enochian language. The weird thing is... Like named after Enoch? Yeah, the like... Named after like Enoch in the Bible, which is was they claimed, which I don't, I don't know if this is like, you know, biblical, biblical, but 
they apparently claimed that, uh, and I don't know if they were, maybe they were told this by their, you know, quote unquote angels, but they claimed that Enoch was the last person on earth that knew that language, that was able to speak that language. Hmm. But the weird thing is, is like the books of Enoch were found with the Dead Sea Scrolls, but they weren't found until 1947, you know, in the Qumran caves in the northwest, 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 northwest shore of the Dead Sea. Yeah. But like, you know, I thought of that and then, and I've always been a little dubious because if you really look at that story, and again, we're going to cover it later and do like a real Yeah, we have to because it's super, super interesting. Super interesting. But like all these things, like the Ouija board, like any of these sort of like scrying or like divinatory sort of practices, they always start out good. And it's much like the Tulpa story, which I'll, I'll explain in a second, a little more like detailed. I know we mentioned it on the last episode, but it's like they always start off, like I said with the Zozo thing, oh, I'm just a little boy. It's, I'm, I'm so scared. Uh, but there's this malevolent character that's like, I'm afraid it's going to get me and da 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 I need you to help me. It, it, like it, it, these things always start out as like good intentions. But, you know, they they all descend into chaos like the longer it goes. <laughs> and so, I don't know. I, to me, like when the way that my brain sort of started moving once I heard of the lobe thing, you know, it made me think of, John D and Edward Kelly, it just made me think, it, you know, then you have like EVPs and like with ghost hunters, you have like spirit boxes and like the Estes method. If you know anything about uh, like the Hellier TV series, they're just all these ways of like letting the other side, whether it's spirits or whatever, like communicate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the guys with that is like back in the 60s, there was a guy which you and I have talked about this a good bit. This guy named Marcello Bacci. Mm-hmm. This Italian guy who basically was able to dial in these spirit voices through a vacuum tube radio. And he called this experiment the direct radio voice method, or DRV. And it's basically like he was able to communicate directly through these like loudspeakers of the radio. And I don't, I don't think this ever sort of, you know, descended into anything like super dark. But it just, to me, this low ab thing feels like it's, it feels like these same characters that have been trying to communicate, you know, through these divinatory methods, like all through time. You know what I mean? It feels like this is just like another form, like somehow they've, I don't know. Somehow they're they're they figured out by like these prompts. It's almost like um, I don't know. How, I, I don't know how to like break it down. Like I don't know a better way to say it. But basically, like if you're using a spirit box or an EVP or like a Ouija board or whatever, that's almost like you're giving uh, the other side like permission to mm-hmm. to come through. Basically. Well, an, an example for. Since just coming out of Halloween and stuff, it immediately I think of you know this old traditional lore about mm-hmm. 
inviting a vampire, you have to invite the vampire right. into your home for them to be able to cross the threshold. Exactly. Stuff like that. I mean, I know... Black-eyed kids, same, same exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. Oh, we need to use your phone. Well, you know, dude, it's funny because, like, even... I, I find that if you, listening, grew up, you know, regardless of your current um, sort of spiritual beliefs or whether or not you're religious or anything, but if you grew up in any sort of, like... Christian household, regardless of denomination, I would say that relatively all of us mm-hmm. had heard at some point, some probably more heavy handed than others from your parents, like, you don't mess with a Ouija board, son. Yeah, no. Because that's opening up that door and you might not be able to close it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, oh, and that yeah, was something that was just like, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I know I've said this on other shows, but, but I'm going to reinforce it here. I have literally never messed around Mm-hmm. With a Ouija board, not interested. You know, I'd have friends that were like, yeah, man, let's get this out. I'm like, what if we just did something else? You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, right. anybody seen the newest Ernest movie? I happen <laughs> to have brought it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just yeah. not, uh, I just don't, I, like, I don't want to open that. It was the same reason why I didn't start just Googling all these other things. I just don't want those doors opened. Yeah. At least not in yeah. my household. Now I'll prompt Tyler to do it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I will say as, as even as a person who's been into this stuff like pretty, pretty, pretty much my whole life, as far as I can remember, like just always into the weird stuff. I've never done a Ouija board either. And I think, I, you know, I'm sure it's um, like programming from, you know, being like, you know, a kid that was, you know, taken to church from, you know, as as far back as I can remember. But there was, I don't know, even beyond like that, there was always just this, this, uh, and I don't know if you want to call it like discernment or whatever, but like there was always this sort of unsaid, like knowing that like, hey, this is something that you do not want to mess with. And mm-hmm. what's weird is like, you know, I always talk about my Aunt Linda, you know, she was the the, uh, you know, sort of imaginative, eccentric. eccentric, imaginative person in my family. And, you know, she was into all this stuff. And, and you know, that's where I accredit most of my knowledge on this stuff and, and my uh, interest in it. Uh, you know, she had, like, the original uh, Ouija board with, like, the bone or, like, the ivory planchette. And, like, we're talking, like, old school. I mean, I guess it still would have been... Like fifties or sixties, right? Like I guess is when it came Brothers. out. Yeah, I don't. Hmm. I feel like this one was even older. I don't even think it had like a box or anything. It was just super, super old, or it was just like in a wooden box kind of thing, which is even creepier. But e- even back then, like I was like, eh, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm just not gonna mess with that. But you know, I, I think like on the last episode, I briefly touched on this, but I, I kind of want to. Just say this in closing, just to give a little more detail to this. So, you know, we, you, especially for your new, our newer listeners, you're always hearing us talk about like thought forms or like tulpas. Well, there was this woman by the name of Alexandra David Neal, and she was a total bad. She was a, you know, somewhat of like a hermeticist or a, I guess, you know, nowadays she would be sort of. New Agey, she was really into like mystical practices. 
And so back in like, uh, or she was fascinated with like 20th century, like Tibet and like the, the sort of mystical side of that. And so she, like I said on the last episode, she, I didn't know her name then, but she basically descri- described these like tulpas, which this is the, the first time that we, I guess we hear the term like tulpa as far as like in like Western culture, you know, mm-hmm. uh, she was actually, mm-hmm. I think she was, yeah, she was like actually a Belgian French explorer. Uh, like I said, she was a spiritualist. She was a Buddhist. She was an anarchist. She was an opera singer. She was a writer that wrote like 30 books, but she's best known for her 1924 visit to Tibet where she stayed. But basically she described tulpas in, in her book. Uh, it's called like, Tibetan magic or something. She talks about them being these magic formations generated by a powerful concentration of thought. And so even just that on its nose hmm. sounds yeah. a little like, you know, generated. It's like are they, these things generated by like these prompts. Mm-hmm. So it's like, are we, are these tulpas being created by putting these cr- prompts to this AI, whatever. So Alexandra Neal believed that this tulpa could develop a mind of its own once the tulpa is endowed with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being, it tends to always free itself from its maker's control. According to Alexandra, this happens nearly mechanically, just as the child, when her body is completed and able to live apart, leaves her mother's womb. She said she had created such a tulpa, this is what I talked about in the last episode, uh, in the image of a jolly friar tuck-like monk which later would develop a life of its own, being, you know, kind of, it, it lost all of its weight. It stopped smiling. It, like we said before, these things always tend to descend into chaos or darkness or, I don't know, atrophy maybe. But uh, I guess apparently eventually they had to destroy it with some sort of, you know, ritual. It says she raised the possibility that her experience was even possibly illusory. I may have created my own hallucination. Though she said others could see the thought forms that she had created as well. Man. Which is pretty fascinating. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm like reaching for straws. No, here. but I mean like, dude, it also goes into like, especially with what you just said. I mean, think about the other times that we've talked about when people... Um, use an explanation such as like mass hallucination to explain Mm -hmm. something. And it's like, well, if one person has the power to create this thing and over time other Mm -hmm. people kind of strengthen and and even mentally sort of refine what that idea is, Mm -hmm. man, I don't know. Then, then, gosh, I mean, again, like we always say, I don't know what's worse, mass hallucination right, or that the actual thing is there. And and so I, I think I brought this up. Uh, maybe a couple episodes ago, uh, just in like passing. But so again, I, I come back to this idea of like, okay, was okay, in in the case of Alexandra David Neal, was was this jolly Friar Tuck Tulpa, was this created by her? Was it truly like a, you know, in the traditional sense, a Tulpa or a thought form? And it completely created out of her mind, or was this just another medium of bringing in this, you know, 
basically what it would become, this super dark, dark eyes, super skinny and gaunt, hmm. just a darker, like, character that this little tulpa monk, you know, sort of descended into. Was it that all along and it was just sort of playing the part or was that just the vehicle to get it here? Much like Loeb is this, this AI-generated art program. Is that just the vehicle to get these things into our reality? You know? Yeah. I mean, okay. One thing I wanted to say is, well, first, if you're interested in kind of learning more about what AI art is and how it all works, you know, there's there's plenty of great articles out there um, that kind of explain it all and the different types of, you know, programs and the different types of generators and, and the mm-hmm. I guess the the process that those specific generators use to machine learn. One thing that I wanted to say is like, okay, if the AI is really just kind of based on images and text that people have created over time that's available, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And coupled with the fact that people can then decide to collect and curate whatever the training data set is, right? If it's not a ghost in a machine, so to speak, right? then at the very least, dude, it is a very scary um, and frankly kind of telling reflection of our own sort of like collective culture, right? I mean, the fact that it can pull these scary images. It's not, it's not pulling these scary images from nothing. You know what I mean? Right, it's taking exactly. pieces of our collective culture and, and then creating something from that. And then I think to tie into what you were saying about tulpas and, and that being a reality, if tulpas exist in any and all of the other sort of mediums of creating them, whether it's written word, spoken word, thought, form, right? then I think we can kind of conclude loosely that if that's true, then in a digital environment, it could also be true, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's I mean, the scariest I, thing, really. Yeah, and, and, and you know, even before, uh, before I discovered this LOAB sort of scenario... You know, there has been a lot of, a lot of people have sort of proposed through the years that like, even with like the internet and like the, the the way that you, we like interact with it, a lot of people would claim that like, you know, there's this sort of nefarious sort of like secret thing. So like even, even like the little things like typing in like a password with our finger, it's like basically like a sigil and like you're. You're, it's basically these sort of underhanded ways of, you know, sort of practicing like magic with a K in the digital age, mm. uh, which I've always, you know, I don't know how much I believe that as to be like totally true, but I do think, I do think there could be some sort of possible tie-in. I mean, like a lot of people point to like CERN and mm-hmm. and all that, and like all of the sort of ritualistic or mystical sort of aspects of of that being like the most technological place in the world the most expensive machine that's ever been built uh you know and they came uh, they come out and say publicly hey we're trying to f- make mini black holes and figure out what the mm-hmm. fabric of the universe is made out of yeah now those people also have 
Shiva, the goddess of destruction, in their courtyard. There's also been video footage of all these people in robes doing like a mock sacrifice. And it's like, you know, and they also say that the internet was actually created at CERN. So I don't know, like there, there's a, there's, there's a, I feel like there's threads of like truth in that, you know, mm. that, that I find super, super interesting. Yeah. So. I mean, just a quick note, Shiva, and I think we did this last time, isn't just the goddess of destruction, but also oh, right. creation. So creation, the yeah. way that the destruction plays into that part is destroys mm -hmm. to recreate, which is right. just about as terrifying. Because then there's yeah, I was going to say that's right? that is now well, in truth. Well, in truth, if we have any, and this is one hundred percent genuine, if we have any Hindu listeners, please mm -hmm. reach out to us, man. If we're incorrectly like categorizing something, um, mm -hmm. you know, based on the information that we can look up and all of that, this is what we understand of of Shiva. Mm -hmm. It's interesting though, too, like especially since like Hindus are like the least violent. <laughs> Yeah, religion right. of all time. Mm -hmm. Although some of their gods, though, are pretty, yeah, pretty intense. Well, I mean, I guess that about does it. I I know that this episode was, uh, it's, it's one of those topics where, you know, yes, we have a a sort of general idea of like, oh well, how this happened, or like the, the little train of events that like led up to this Loeb character being created. But, you know, there's most of it is still like speculation, like especially for Woody and I who, I mean, yeah, we, we can research all day, but it's like we, we, don't, we don't know like that language of like AI and, you know, I'll never claim to understand how it, how it really works, you know. And so there is a little speculation, but I don't know. I feel like all these topics that we've talked about, whether it be, you know, John D or you know, the, the spirit radio thing or Zozo or Loeb, I feel like there is this like through line, this like thread that connects all of them. And, you know, maybe we don't know what it is today, but I think someday down the line we'll figure out and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see the connective tissues start to sort of show themselves. Yeah. If you would like to get in touch with us, hit us up over on our Instagram we love all the back and forth in the comments. Uh, you know, if you want to talk to us, if you got something you, you need to say to us privately, shoot us a DM. Uh, if you want to write an essay or you want to tell us about uh, something that happened to you, maybe a local urban legend or something in your town, shoot it over to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. But even better than all those is thatwouldberadpodcast.com, which is our website. And there you can directly leave us a voice message and, uh, you know, tell us your story. We absolutely love that stuff. Mm -hmm. Get out there, buy some merch, buy us a coffee, uh, join all the badass best friends over on the rabbit trail, our Patreon, our new Patreon. We have a lot of big plans for that, and uh, it's going to be awesome. You can um, find it at www.patreon.com slash that would be rad. Very, very good. I guess that's about it. Uh, go give us a five-star review. Tell a friend. Uh, is there anything else? And I think that's, uh, I think that, well, other than just my advice of just like, hey man, let's stop creating crazy. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. there's enough just weird stuff in the world. Let's not create any new ones. Thank I you. I mean, I don't think we're creating it, though. Mm. 
We love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it By the way, the Clay the Cleaver. Dude, the- I'm writing it in, man. I'm not kidding. <laughs> He's going to be like this crazy mean butcher that I swear if Dan even barely. That, like, this is the reality of like you guys being able to kind of get away with mm-hmm. talking trash to like people. But yeah. you got to go into a city where there's like like 
there's just so many things that I'm kind of like writing just in case happen. You know, mm-hmm. like Rollins talks too much trash. Boom, mm-hmm. you guys are in jail. <laughs> and but, dude, I'm not joking. This vision of different scenes. Now, I don't know how it's going to play out exactly, but I have written a way that I want a certain session to end and then the next session to begin, kind of, mm-hmm. that is mind-blowing, dude. Mm. Yeah, like I saw it's, that. I saw it's going to blow well. your mind, man. It's so awesome. And I've written this long list of really rad, really cool magic items and things that are like now we're talking. flavorful, but also like really cool this is going to be sprinkled around, I man. You guys got to... And this adventure is a little bit different right now. It's not a dungeon crawl. It's not, uh, mm-hmm. well, let's just pop into this place. Like, all actions are going to have consequences. Cool, yeah, you can go and, well, we'll just pickpocket them or rob them all. But you're going to deal with the consequences, man. And there's like a table that I downloaded for like your wanted level. So if you start being more criminal... You know, ratchets it, ratchets up, and all that stuff, man. I've wondered how that works. It's like almost like for all you players of like Grand Theft Auto, it's like Mm -hmm. you know you accidentally hit a person. There's one star. Yeah, you you run from the cops because the two stars, and it Mm -hmm. just like ramps up. I've often wondered how that how that would work in like D and D. Yeah, and for anybody that's like wanting to become a dungeon master. There are so many resources uh, out there to like answer those kind of questions. So like the mm-hmm. key is come up with the type of environment that you want to throw these players into and then begin sort of like so very broad stroke, right? Like I wrote this concept of what I kind of wanted the players to go through. Of course, we didn't get together really in October. <laughs> it was going to be a lot different. Anyways, I wrote this big concept and then i've been filling in the details ever since and so like the more the time that you have to do that then you can like really sort of begin to flavor the world with detail and ideas and it's just oh my gosh man i'm so excited for you guys to and then another beautiful thing about dungeons dungeons and dragons fetterman um and that is (laughs) uh that you know you can create these ideas and these concepts and then you present this world to your players and they're like, I don't know, man, light the building on fire. And you're like, good Lord. So yeah. you kind of have to be able to pivot and, uh, you know, make it to where they feel immersed and are in control of the story, really. Mm-hmm. But to kind of like give them those interesting beats, learning how to like introduce those things. Like instead of ex- like a scene where this person runs into that person, you can do that instead in a dream sequence. Or mm-hmm. you can like plant clues in different areas and dream sequences and things that they pass by. Should you have robbed that or should you have just dumped that uh, street merchant's cart on the ground that wasn't that far from Neverwinter? Will that come back and bite you in the butt? You never know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think think the reason that I could never become a dungeon master is I, I just, I know myself well enough and i know that like like when it comes to like you know like uh when i was a graphic designer and i was doing freelance stuff mm-hmm. or i mean even even uh doing like commission work now i mean 99.9 percent of the time everybody's ecstatic and they're happy but it's like every now and then you'd have like that one person would be like oh well, but what if we did this or what if we did and it's like 
it's it's like a real character flaw for me to like take that personally. Mm. And so like I I I know how like the the things that I create, whether it's like music or art or graphic mm-hmm. design stuff, I become so sort of like enamored and I love yeah. that because it's it's like an extension of your mm-hmm. creative self, you know? Yeah. And so I know that I could never be a DM because it'd be like, okay, I have this thing and it's it's beautiful, and I've set up all these guardrails like you do, Woody. No, to, uh, <laughs> I do not set up guardrails. <laughs> to confine people and get them on the path. And then I know, like, showing up, some idiot like Dan or Rollins would be like, <clears throat> nah, let's not do that. Let's let's uh, let's bash the fountain and then head out of town. Yeah, it's I like, think a lot of, like, new players kind of have that sort of, like, because they want to feel the freedom of that yeah, sort right. of world, right? But right. then, like, after a while, you kind of realize as a player, the more times you play and, mm-hmm. and the different, the, the more experience you have, it's like, it kind of doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't, I mean, interesting things can happen, and that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. But you almost, you want to kind of move toward the obvious sort of motivations that mm-hmm. your group of characters would pursue X, Y, and Z. And so, like, when the Dungeon Master presents the story beat, so that's part of, like, the, I guess, responsibility on the player side is, like, being able to recognize some relatively obvious story beats. Like, oh, no, there's someone that's murdering people in another city Mm -hmm. that has essentially stolen your identity. No, no, you don't have to go to the city and see what the heck's going on. Mm -hmm. But... You know what I mean? Like, but those guardrails are going to point you. It's not guardrails, man. It is plot hooks. Come on, right? right. Okay, that's enough. We've spent a solid eight minutes on D anD. D. Anyways, I'm excited for you guys. This is just so different than what we did, Mm -hmm. you know, this summer in terms of the uh, campaign. It's just really cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's not so much being a snob; it's just kind of demanding excellence. And I think that's you're such an idiot. (laughs) 